and we're in the car on the way home and all of a sudden the phone rings and it was my wife's phone but it was my boss and i'm like why is my boss calling you on you're calling me on your phone hey everyone it's me regina hassan your host for uh, Pregnant with Purpose podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. Uh, our episode for today is about helping others uh, in recovery. I'll be talking to some great folks uh, that I know who are in recovery from uh, substance abuse, uh, and uh, they're going to be talking about um, uh, their own personal recovery stories they're going to be sharing with us tonight. It's going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. So. Uh, tonight, uh, I have uh, six great people uh, to introduce you to. There you are. Hey, everybody. Hey, Regina. Hey, oh, y'all got to do better than that. Hey, hey Regina. What's going on, Regina? Hola, hola, hola. It's the Pregnant with Purpose podcast. And I know that some of you on this podcast that I'm talking to today, y'all have not seen my podcast, okay? I'm not going to hold it against you, all right? I'm not going to hold it against you. Because I know you will at least watch this episode. Am I right? Regina, <laughs> I watched an episode uh, with the married couples on the way home today. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Very enlightening, very enlightening. Right. So I want y'all all, this is season two, and I want you all to go and watch the episode of Pregnant with Purpose. I'm excited. We got three men on here today. So that gives out the message because some men, when they hear it, they think it's a podcast for pregnant women. And it's not. <laughs> it's called Pregnant with Purpose. All right. So if you are, you know, y'all know my motto. So you're not dead. God's not done. So there is a purpose to you. So this podcast is for you. All right. Okay. So. I want to uh, give you all the opportunity to introduce yourself. Uh, if you'll give me your, uh, uh, if you'll, uh, if you'll tell me uh, you're um, uh, sober, how many days you're sober, how many days in recovery, however you want to phrase it. But uh, when I call on you, if you'll just uh, let us know how long have you been in this recovery, um, in this recovery uh, movement, in this recovery space in your life, okay? So I'll start out with Mr. Obadiah. Okay, hello. Uh, my name is Obadiah, and um, I my sobriety date is 8-18-2017. This time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's five years, Obadiah. Yeah, that's five years. Five years. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Just who I wanted on my show. And uh, Mr. Stokes. Hello, Regina. Uh, my hey, name Oliver. is Oliver Stokes. Um, I actually have 12,251 days, which equates to a little bit over 33 years. Clean wow. 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 That's a, when you add it up like that, man, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yeah. Miss Jackie, yeah. Miss Jackie, driving home. Yeah, my name's Jackie, and uh, I got over ten thousand something days. I'm uh, my sobriety date is seven twenty four ninety one. So that's how many years, Jackie? Thirty two. That's thirty one. I'm in my thirty second year. I've got thirty one and some days. Thirty one and some days. All right, all right. I tried to do that fast math. <laughs> <laughs> 
Miss Lanisha. Yes, ma'am. I'm Lanisha J, woman in long-term recovery, and my sobriety date is December 28, 2010. I did not get a chance to calculate the days, months. Right. I mean, <laughs> don't you hate it? I, I wish I could do it right quick right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was just uh, born without y'all on here. So mm. I'm honored. <laughs> 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 um, <I'm> on <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I love you, girl. You said, you said I'll right. older But you said 2010, right? Yes, ma'am. So that's okay, man. I can do that math. Yeah. I can do that math. Okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mr. Audie Murphy. Mr. Audie Murphy. Thank you, Regina. My name is Audie Murphy, native Houstonian. My sobriety date is April the 5th of 1989. That equates to 12,237 days. Oh, man. Or 33, <laughs> or 33 years, six months, and one day. All right, right then. <laughs> All right then. And to, last but certainly not least, we we have the Miss Amelia Murphy. <laughs> we having technical difficulties with Amelia. Yeah. Can I hear me? Yeah, you're going in and out, though, Amelia. Can you put it in the chat? There you go. Now you're moving. I see you moving now. Okay. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Amelia. I'm a woman in long-term recovery. Since July 13, 1990, I'm very, very grateful. 1990? Yes. Great. That is wonderful. And you know, I didn't say mine. I, I didn't say mine, but I'm I'm Regina, uh, and I, I'm in long-term recovery as well. And um, um, I got 36 years. I mean, that's the only thing I can say. I got 36 years. Y'all do the math, okay? That's good enough. That's good enough. Right, right. I have 36 years. After so long, you know, I I, I can't keep up with the days. But yeah, yeah, I have that. Okay, so let, let's get started with this discussion. And there are, like we say, we got six people on here and we got folks that's in, in the recovery and, and that have been in them rooms. So, you know, don't be pulling none of them. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to shut up. All right. Because that ain't going to work here because I know what that means. That means I'm going to say this and talk for another 15 minutes, all right? So all I'm saying is this is not a meeting, all right? This is a discussion. So all I'm asking is that you be considerate of the other people because we would like to get everyone's thought on it, especially on this first question. The first question that I have, I like to hear from everybody. So if you can keep your response down to... Uh, who who got the calculator? If you could keep your response down to uh, 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 five sentences or less. No, I, I'm kidding. But <laughs> but if you could keep your uh, 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 response brief, I sure would appreciate it. All right. Okay. My first question is, when did you realize that your sobriety, I'm just going to say just being sober, when did you realize that that was not enough? 
In other words, you have been clean, you've been sober, you know, but you still had the same old uh, behavior, some of the same old attitude, you know, you were still running across the same old problems. When did you come to realize that just being sober wasn't going to get it? It wasn't enough. And let me just call on somebody. I'll call on uh, Artie. Figured you was going to do that. Uh, no, you hope that I did. Like, not like. When you ask uh-huh. that question, I'm thinking, uh, I'm trying to just, you know, remember, I can't really give you a date. I'm thinking somewhere probably within the first year, year and a half, uh, being in a meeting um, and sharing about an issue. And one of my brothers who's actually coming to town uh, was sitting at the same meeting and he used to sit back and flash in front of me. He would do stuff like share with me that I needed to move on through the steps and work steps four and five because I was just kind of at an impasse. You know, yeah, it was great being sober, but there was more that was out there. Okay. Okay. Um, Jackie. Yes, ma'am. When did you realize that just being sober wasn't enough? When did that come to you? So I remember the exact date. It was uh, March the 12th of 1992. Wow. And uh, the, re- the reason I remember that date is because that's the day my dad died. Mm. And so I was um, I went from being hopeless to uh, action. OK, I went from being hopeless to action. I, I pre- previous to that, I thought that this program would not work for me. And then I was in a in an impasse where I needed to. uh do something or else I was going to die that day with my dad because uh, I was pissed off at God and mm. uh, God, me and God had a conversation sitting outside on the grass and uh, he told me to look around to where I was. I was at a hospital. He said, the voice said, you went to treatment in the hospital. He said, get off your butt and go in there and find a meeting. And I got into the action and my life changed that day. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Mr. Obadiah. Yes, ma'am. So um, for me, it was uh, probably my third year in in recovery. And um, I found myself going through a divorce. Hmm. And so the things that led up to that were, um, you know, some some past trauma that I thought I had addressed and dealt with and um, some, some hurts and some um, resentment that I didn't get rid of early mm-hmm. on. And I thought that I had completed that process and that it was over and that my life was, was good since I had mm-hmm. worked the steps. I thought I had processed the information. However, it did leave some residue. And so it would show up not in me be having uh, resentments against people, but in me not being able to uh, communicate and mm. shut down. And so, um, which led eventually to me realizing that I, I needed to do more than just work the steps one time and mm. or a few times, even with some other people. But that recovery piece wasn't enough. I needed to have a better relationship with God is what I found. You know, that's the bride piece wasn't enough. Is that what you're saying? 
that wasn't enough. Okay. Okay. All right then. Um, Miss Amelia. Yes. <laughs> when did you realize that just being sober wasn't enough? So you were you were a part of this decision. You I don't know if you know that or not, but I married an old boyfriend while he was in prison. <laughs> and I remember you. <laughs> I remember you telling me, no, and don't do that, and don't do that. <laughs> and I did it anyway. Uh, just like everything else I have to go through. And um, I realized then that everything I was doing was going backwards, going back to this, going back to that. You know, the only thing I was doing, the rooms was absolutely a key factor in, help, in helping me stay sober one day at a time, but the behaviors... It took every bit of 10, 11 years. Uh, the first 10 years, I was crying a river. And uh, a girl in recovery told me, she said, and we just, you know, we know we love you, but 10 years of crying is enough. You know, so mm -hmm. we're going to get out here and go help somebody. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so grateful for her telling me that because uh, I probably would have still been sniveling in there. And <laughs> when I realized, that I married a guy that was way back, way back, way back. I was like, what are you doing? You, you know. So I got with my sponsor, Marion, who I still have today. And I had to work through that. And I did get a divorce. And that is when I moved forward. That is absolutely. So it took me about, I would say, 11 years. My first 11 years of going through all of those character defects, doing all of that stuff, and then realizing uh, you know, in uh, 10, 11, and 12, that I was absolutely not giving myself what I deserve. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you, Regina, for being a part of that because you were absolutely influential for me during that time. And that was the breaking point for me. All right. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Ann. Mr. Mr. Butch Oliver. Yes. Uh, Regina, I would have to say it happened within my the, the beginning of my second year in recovery mm. uh, because my, my sponsor has always been that type. He's never told me I need to stop doing anything. Mm. But he would, he would just ask the question, how's that working for you? And if I was honest, I would say, hey, it's working very well. But at, in the process of working the steps, uh, <laughs> it stopped working. In other mm. words, those feelings started coming along and I couldn't use the substance to hide the feelings anymore. So it's like, dang, I'm gonna have to do something different. So that was when I realized that the substance by just stop using the substance wasn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a, I was a, a, a slow uh, learner, uh, I guess you would say, because it was it was uh, years like like what you and like what you said, you know, it was like 10, 10 years, you know, and I, I was um, I was in the process of my second divorce going through my second divorce. And I remember I was making a sandwich out of uh, wieners. I was making a wiener sandwich. and I, I, I know it was around 10 years because I remember saying to myself. Is this all it is? You know, I'm sitting here divorced for the second time and I'm eating wiener sandwiches. I remember I had a jar of mayonnaise and I had bought some wieners and I was like, 
Man, it's, something got to be better than this. Something has got to be better than this. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for sharing that. My next question is, was it hard for you when you first came into recovery? Was it hard for you to accept help uh, from others? It's a two-part question. And what is your reaction when others are resistant to your help? I say I repeat the question again uh, for Brittany to put it at the bottom of the screen. When you first got into recovery, was it hard for you to accept help from others? And what is your reaction or your response when others are resistant to your help? And this time I'm going to start out with Mr. Butch. Um, what is it hard? uh for me to no no it was not okay. uh because i really was done i was ready to do whatever it takes to to not do what i was doing uh i remember uh people used to come out and you know how sometimes uh they would fellowship after the meeting and stuff like that and you you know you would ask where they're going i wouldn't ask i say where y'all going i'm going mm. Right. Now, if they told me I couldn't go, that that was one. You froze, Butch. Or oh, this may be my. Is this my Wi-Fi? Others, when they're resisting it, um, first, Regina, I used to take that on personally. I used mm -hmm. to say, "Well, oh, what's wrong with you? Why, why, why won't you?" But then I realized it's just, all I'm doing is planting the seed. And, and the fact is, all I can do is do that, plant the seed. God is the one that convicts. God is the one that, you know, allows you to see what it is needed for yourself. So if they if that seed flourishes, that's between you and God. All, all I'm there to do is plant the seed. Okay. All right. Miss uh, Lanisha. Was it hard for you to uh, receive help from others when you first came into this? Not that I recall. I think I really wanted the help. I, mm. I had no idea of what I was doing or what I needed to do. I was one of those, you told me what to do, I followed suit. I, I didn't ask no questions. Um, and that worked for me because I was scared straight. So mm. whatever y'all say, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, well, what about I, I know you're a recovery coach. So, so what is your response or your reaction when, when people are resistant to accepting help, accepting your help? I, I, I allow them to be where they are, you know, meeting them where they are. And when they're ready, the, the help, the support is there. Okay. And that's what make coaching uh, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, then. All right, then. Uh, Miss Murphy, Amelia. Yes. We got two Murphys on the on the line. We got and <laughs> Audie and Amelia are not related, y'all, because you know they not even they not even next to each other on my screen. One is on this side. <laughs> uh, Amelia, Miss Murphy, tell me, was it hard for you to receive help? Not really. Um, Move closer to your mic if you can, Ann. Move closer. Okay. Can you hear me? 
Now it is still. She might need to turn the volume up. Maybe you need to turn the volume up on you. Okay, I, it's it's really up there. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can, but it's still kind of muffled. Okay, you, let me do this. Can you hear me now? We can hear you, but it's still muffled. Oh, it is. Yeah. Wait a minute. That. Wait a minute. You start coming through a little clear then. Just then. Okay. So is that good right there? That's better. That's better. Okay. Yeah, I was good on some things, uh, but I still had a lot of uh, objections to stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I would go in the rooms and just cuss crazy. Um, and I think that is why I would start cussing and then I start crying. You know, people say, we just, we just don't know. We start laughing at it, and then she start crying. So we don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was you. That was you, Ann. That was you. That's that was you in the beginning, right? Yes, yes, it was. Um, and then I straightened out a little bit. It took me a long time, but you know, when folks didn't uh, take the um, suggestions, I would just let them be where they are. Um, I would just kind of look at what do you want to talk about? Now, if they're talking about suicide or something like that, then, I, you know, that's pretty serious to me. You know, right. I, I'm going to help get you to a hospital. This is beyond my capacity. I need to really help you. Um, but if they uh, did not want to work the steps, they did not, they feel like they wasn't a part of AACA and any of the A's. Then, you know, just I told them they wanted to go to church, do what you have to do to stay sober. And that was one of the relaxing things that I had. It was so easy for me to go in coaching with because I just allow you to be who you are. But I want to find something to connect you with. So um, that was one of the things that, you know, I always said that people who work the steps helped me stay sober because I was still working the steps still. You know, when we would work the steps together, one girl helped me while my mother was dying in the next room. And, you know, the, the good news is that I don't look at it as a one-way thing of me helping somebody. They didn't want to do what I say do. It's just having a conversation. You know, good. Tina, um, we just live, trying to live and learn how to live this lifestyle of recovery, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I may have experience in that and I may not, but then we got to talk about, you know, getting on into the solution. I, did, I was not the one to stay back into... Uh, the past a lot, you know, but if it helped you stay sober, that would be good. But it, it was like I was just l really having a conversation with them. If they didn't feel as though that was going to work for them, then, and they talked about something that made them smile, that made them happy, we'll talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's pretty how much it was for me, Gina. Mm. Okay, Mr. Uh, Murphy. Uh, thank you, Regina. I don't know the, the 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 answer to that for myself. Uh, receiving help was not too much of an issue. Kind of sometimes dependent on the issue. Uh, I'm real grateful for an individual uh, that was not my sponsor in the early stages um, that I could have conversations with, uh, who actually you know helped me through you know through the process. So that when it came time to receive help, uh, not a, you know wasn't too big of a deal. However, on the flip side. Uh, the giving of help and up to someone who doesn't want it 
Uh, I remember one of the first times when uh, a couple of my predecessors shared with me to go work with a particular individual that came into a meeting and I did everything that the book talked about doing. And uh, this guy didn't didn't receive it and didn't get it. And I came back, you know, to them complaining. And after they listened to me complaining, they asked the question, you know, did you stay sober? And I said, yeah. And they said, that's, they said at that time, that's all that matters. Uh, what I've learned over the years, though, is that, you know, if somebody doesn't want to receive my help, uh, I don't allow it to be that big of a deal. Because what I've under come to understand is I cannot deny someone's their, their own pain, their own agony or whatever it is they need to go through. And sometimes, you know, my help may be trying to soften the blow and they really just need to go through what they need to go through because I've discovered that when they do and when they ready, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Okay. Miss, Miss Jackie. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. I kind of dropped out there. I lost their you got out the car and went in the house, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The question on the table is, um, um, was it hard for you in the beginning to accept help from others? And what is your reaction or your response uh, when uh, people are resistant to your help? Well, when I got here, uh, somebody had made a 12-step call on somebody, and I just happened to be in the smoke-filled room. That was CT. And uh, I've been knowing that guy since I was four years old. We all grew up together, and I saw the change in him. And I wanted it then. I wanted what he had, but I was in that trap. Um, so I started going. I got kind of asked to go into meetings by picking some people up from HCPC. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what meetings were. You were in that meeting. Um, yeah. And I don't think I picked up a desire chip for a while, but I wanted, I, I didn't want what I had. I may not have known what I wanted, but I knew I didn't want what I had because I was suffering. I was crying at the end. Um, and eventually I ended up following that same path that uh, Ted Poe blessed my cousin Richard with to go to HCPC. And I went that path and, and, mm -hmm. Um, I, the old timers, y'all told me how willing I was. I didn't know that. You know, mm. I just knew I didn't want what I had. Uh, today, when it comes to working with somebody else, whether they want it or not, I've learned that I have to meet them where they are. Wherever yeah. they are, I got to meet them there. And right. if they are resistant or they don't want it, you know, I have to roll with the resistance. Right. Um, and just be an example that uh, the hope shot that, that change is possible. And eventually the people that uh, that were resistant or uh, didn't really get the concept of the, the physical aspect of the disease, well, once we start, we can't stop. Um, mm. When they came back, it was my job just to be here and have that hand reaching out to them and so that when they're ready, I don't beat people up. You know, they say we don't shoot our wounded um, because I'm entitled to and uh, so I just to be here and be available and, and meet them where they are and roll with their resistance and just be present. Right. Roll with the resistance. Roll with the resistance. That's a good one. Mr. Uh, Obadiah, was it hard for you? Um, initially, no. Um, I had a I remember I was at a place called Houston Aftercare. It's not there anymore. And 
there was a person who came in the room, it was a guy named Al Green, old guy. I can, I'm not breaking his anonymity because he's since passed. However, um, he wanted uh, me, well, I asked him, would he be my, my sponsor? Because I wanted what he had. And I thought I was kind of slick because he was an attorney, drive, drove a Mercedes, and I figured that's what I wanted. And what he he uh, did is he told me, he says, well, listen, I heard you sharing. And uh, how long you had? I think at the time I had maybe uh, 90 days. And he said, do me a favor. I want you to read what's on the first page. Can y'all hear me? No, I can. I, yes. wasn't very, I wasn't very good at the time at following directions. And so it took me like four days to, to, to uh, realize that wasn't nothing on the first page. Right. And so that's what he told me. He said, well, <laughs> that's what you know, nothing. And in fact, you spent the last 90 days spewing nothing that you knew into the rooms. And so I want you to. And he said, God is phenomenal because he had blessed you with two ears and one mouth, which means right. you're supposed to listen twice as much as you're supposed to talk. We like to interrupt your podcast experience to let you know that this could be where your ad is right here, right here. The CCN network is actually looking for advertising right now. So if you want to advertise on any of the shows that are on the CCN network, please let us know. Call me. Text me. Just hit us up. Send a pigeon. If you want, you can just walk over here and tell us. But you can advertise here. CCN network. That's it. Word. My name is Steven Thompson from Stevie Rock Radio, and you are now watching the CCN. So mm-hmm. he wanted me to shut up mm-hmm. for the next 90 days. And that was probably, uh, you know, it definitely was something that I didn't want to do, but I wanted to stay sober and I wanted him to be my sponsor. And it changed my life. It really gave me uh, some fo- foresight or some insight into something that I never knew. I didn't, I found out that I didn't know everything. Wow. And, uh, wasn't that shocking? <laughs> it was shocking. I didn't know. Wow. Everything. Wasn't that shocking? I don't and know everything. I wasn't trying to think about what I was going to say in the meeting when somebody else finished sharing. Right. I was just in the meeting, in the moment and allowing myself to be there and be present. And it changed the way that I, I enjoy <laughs> the recovery process now. And so, so tell me, so can you tell me how, how you respond when other folks are resistant or when other people act the way you acted when you came in, Matt, which is maybe how I should have phrased that question because <laughs> I do believe that at one point or another, you run into yourself in them Absolutely. rooms, you know, that's what I used to tell people who are in into counseling. I, I used to always say, if you don't work through your stuff, you're going to come in your office and, and you're going to be sitting across from you one day. You know, oh, so man. it's just I felt like it's the same thing in recovery that pretty soon, you, you know, you run into someone that was you when you first came in uh, in the room. <laughs> so how do you uh, respond to those people over there? Well, I, I run into them every day. And the book told me that I'm supposed to treat them like I would a sick friend. A sick friend. You know, I, I practice some empathy and love and tolerance to their situation. And like it's been said 
uh, time and time again, I meet them exactly where they are. Right. You know, if if they're resistant to the information that I'm sharing, I I, I love them, and uh, and appreciate them not being able to receive it right then. But right. I I continue to try to to stay connected. Now, <laughs> if I uh, and I did hear someone else saying that by being an example and showing them what recovery looks like, and hopefully the attraction would be uh, there for them because they see something in me that they could potentially like. Right, right, right. You know, I I can say that if, you know, if I'm being transparent, that I wasn't accepting of all the help offered me. You know, I wanted people to tell me how to quit using, quit Mm -hmm. quit hitting that pipe and, you know, how to quit drinking. But I didn't like the other advice that I was getting. Like, you know, uh, don't get into any relationships for the first year. I don't know if anybody else remembers <laughs> that. You know, uh, I didn't like that other uh, help they were trying to give me when they say you need to humble yourself and, and realize, uh, like you said, Obadiah, you don't know everything. I don't need your help with that. You know what I mean? I, I didn't. People will say, you know, you need to be honest and and pay your bills on time. That's part of making your amends. Go back and pay the people you owe. I don't want your help in that. You know, how is this going to help me keep sober? So I can say being totally transparent that I was not accepting of all the help that was provided. But as I grew in recovery, I understood that it was all a part of, you know, that, you know, the drinking and the drugging was just a symptom of my problems. Mm. Uh, I had some other issues. And when people tried to help me in those issues, of course, I got, especially that relationship thing, uh, Amelia. You know, my sponsor yeah. told me, you know, you shouldn't get in a relationship within the first year. I was in several relationships in the first year. <laughs> I'm being transparent. And look, every single one of them, she said, you know, you, you need to watch that. Man, I used to get resentful at her. How dare you? You know, tell me who I can see. And the truth of the matter is, I should have stayed out of relationships my first year. Okay. Uh, yeah. that, that's it. So and speaking of that, I believe that there's a certain mat- uh, maturity that comes uh, with your recovery. You know, the Bible talks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child, you know, uh, I can look back and I can see over the years from when I first got into it to, you know, as the years progressed that a certain maturity uh, came with that. You know, I was able to see things uh, uh, with new eyes and I was able to change my perspective uh, on some things, especially some things pertaining to me, like Obadiah mentioned, realizing I don't know it all, you know, and really I don't have to know it all. I really don't. So I want to know, does anybody else feel like that you could see your maturity as you stayed in this program? You could see uh, or stayed in recovery. Let me say that, not the program, but as you stayed in this recovery, that you've seen a maturity from where you used to be to where you're at now. Anybody else feel that way other than me? Anybody else? Okay. All right then. Okay, Miss Giles, I saw your hand. So I'm gonna call on you. Thank you for thank you for actively participating. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I, I should have just blinked my eyes then. Huh? <laughs> uh, 
Absolutely. Um, God is good. Um, I, I know that part of my story and in my journey, um, that adolescent that needed to grow um, while I was an adult, still operating emotionally as an adolescent, mm-hmm. um, and just the way I responded to life or reacted, should I say. And so um, to to be able to accumulate and accelerate in life today, it takes maturity. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, every so often, you know, I, I want to try to improve in certain areas and not externally, but internally. And so right. um, I'm just grateful for the program, the process of recovery, the just the whole recovery movement. And so um, allowing myself to get uncomfortable in order to mm-hmm. grow. So um, I, I definitely can see it. Yeah, and that's a good one. I like you said, allowing myself to be uncomfortable. You know, they used to talk about all the time. I used to hear them talking about growing up in public. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up in public. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Giles. Anybody else? Can anybody else relate to, you know, you 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 saw yourself and talked about it all the time. The crying, the cussing, and the crying. <laughs> you know, I, and, and I was the same way. You know, using that type of uh, vernacular when I talk, I just felt like it made me, you know, bad, you know. So I'm going to go in here and, you know, blank, blank, beep, blank, 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 beep, blank, 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 you know. But that that wasn't that wasn't the thing, you know. That wasn't making me well-known or, you know, well-liked or popular, whatever the, going on, you know. Um, but, uh, uh, but Anne, can you, can you relate to that about – and I know you can, Anne, because I've seen your journey. Uh, as well as a, a lot of folks on here. All y'all, I've seen your journey. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that has helped me through the years is staying sober through everything and learning how to live in recovery. And um, it took me 25 years to graduate uh, from University of Houston downtown, going in and out, going in and out of school, going in and out of school. And one of the things I said was that I'm going to graduate. And I absolutely did that. And you did, y'all. And graduated. And graduated. <laughs> Woo! Tell you them, go, when did you graduate at? Tell them. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to have a big party in December when I march. But, you know, the, the good news is that that was something I wanted to do, and I did. It took me 25. I said, I'm not going to give up. And that's how it was with my recovery. I'm not going to get. I'm going to go through this, and whatever it takes, I'm just going to have to live through it. But it took me at my 22 years, 10 years ago. I it took how many years, And Are you saying it took you 22 years? It took me 25 years to I'm not getting any of that. Is anybody else getting what Ann's saying? Uh-uh. No. No, Ann, we're not getting any of that. You can yeah, you going in and out. I'm going in and out. Can you hear me now? Wait. I can hear you now. Huh? I can hear you now. Okay. So what I said was that now I am in love uh, with the God of my understanding like never before. I'm having experiences. Um, I have a spirit of discernment, and it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Yeah. And the, and the energy that I took to graduate from school is 
is like the determination and motivation of I really want to find my purpose. So when I found that I had this spiritual gift, uh, my life began to change. So the cursing, right now you're not going to believe this, but really, uh, I don't really like to be around too much cursing. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Ed. Me, me too, Ed. No. I remember. No, me too, Ed. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Me too, Ed. Especially, especially cursing and then bowing my head and saying, "Our Father who art in heaven." I just, I can't get that. I just can't get that. I can't get right. that. <laughs> right. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else want to share about the maturity or the on on your journey, how you've matured or how you've grown up in public? Anybody else want to share with that? Yeah, Regina, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a stab at it. Okay, maturity, you know, depending is you know has come about with the time and and some different experiences and understanding. And in some situations, I didn't have maybe the tools developed to kind of make it through, and I had to kind of uh, you know take the hard blows. And as I have you know been able to grow, uh, I've actually had to have people help me. Um, you know, from reading our literature, uh, there's a story in there where this guy talks about uh, his marriage and how he had to change the lenses and his glasses of how he looked at his wife. Mm -hmm. And so through different experiences, I've had to learn how to look at that experience a little bit differently. And many times I couldn't do it by myself. I had to have somebody's help to to, and, and to be able to look at that. Um I had to have somebody that was living this program. Uh, give you a quick, quick example, quick story. Uh, one of my predecessors who's deceased now owned a limousine company. And I used to hear him talk about in meetings that he worked for God. And my response to him was, what you mean you work for God? You ain't no preacher. And so mm -hmm. we would have these discussions and he would ask me in the discussion, had I read page 62 and 63? And if you're familiar with the literature, you know what's there. And so I would tell him no. And finally, we got to a point where he would ask me that question and I tell him no. And uh, he wouldn't. He would tell me, well, we really don't have anything to talk about. But it spurred me on to read that because I began to get a different understanding about what he was saying. And it helped me to understand that because it says something about being out of position and it helped me understand that I was out of maybe out of position. And so through time and different experiences, because like working for him, uh, when I first started working for him, uh, getting out, picking up a client and getting them to the airport, I may have to hang out at the airport for a while. And money was tight at that time. And so I'd be worried about how I'm going to eat. But I would do what I was told, just suit up and show up. And I would show up. I pick up a client, take them from point A to point B hand the clipboard back, they would hand it back, and there may be a 10 or a $20 bill coming across. Mm -hmm. So I learned in that time period to suit up and show up, and that was where I was beginning to see about trusting this power that has come into my life. Now, as time has gone on, there have been different experiences that have come about that I have seen where I have not responded like I used to respond, maybe getting angry about something or getting a warning uh, I was working for a company and uh, the, uh, the Best Buy had 
well, something was going on with my cell phone and went inside, talked to the guy, some kind of way he transposed my phone number and my ex-wife's phone number. And we're in the car on the way home. And all of a sudden the phone rings and it was my wife's phone, but it was my boss. And I'm like, why is my boss calling you on your calling me on your phone? Well, long story short, the guy had transposed the number. So I whipped the car around and I'm headed back in there and I'm ready to go rip this guy. And the last thing my ex-wife told me before I got out of the car, she says, Audie, everybody makes mistakes. And it just pierced the bubble in my brain. And so when I went in, I still was a little angry with the guy, but I didn't cuss him out. I didn't talk too bad to him. And so it was that's, that was one of those events that I began to see, see the change. And so just different events uh, that, ha that have occurred where I've been able to look back at the past or I've been able to approach the, the situation a little differently. You know, and, and when I'm able to approach the situation a little differently, I can kind of sit back and realize, you know, you and tell myself, you know, you are mature or you did mature, you know, because you didn't do what you did previously. Mm -hmm. And you responded a little differently. Mm -hmm. So I got this one last question. I'm going to start with Obadiah and uh, Butch on, on this question. Um, what would you say? What would you say was the best suggestion or advice that you received in recovery that was the most helpful? Uh, whether it was a, a saying or Ooh. whether it was some advice, what was the best advice that you would say that you received? And I know you, uh, because of all these 12,000 and blah, blah, blah days, <laughs> I know you have received a lot. But I just want you to narrow it down to something that even to this day, you carry that with you and you pass it on to others. Obadiah. Can't hear you, Obadiah. Can't hear you, uh, Obadiah. You're frozen. Okay, Oliver, let me go over to you right quick. Um, honestly, and, and you're right, Regina, there's been a lot <laughs> cliches and, and sayings right. through the program that come through, but I would genuinely have to say the one that sticks out with me today is that God is everything or he's nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is the one that sticks out with me because I, I used to haphazardly do this thing. You know, it, it was about, you know, yeah, I want God. Oliver, you froze. I got to that place of realizing that it, it, God had to be in all my deals. Uh, he had to be with me in all of my events. Uh, it, it, it resonated with me. So, yeah, I would have to say that God is everything or he's nothing. Oh, he's nothing. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Oliver. Obadiah, are you back with us? I am. Okay, good. Can Okay, um, a, a, a statement that I would carry with me and pass on to others 
um, <clears throat> was a simple one for me was to let go and let God. Um, the big problem in, in recovery for me early on was that, you know, there are certain aspects of my life that I wouldn't lay down uh, at, at the throne. You know, I wanted to to continue to hold on to those things, sift through them and still see if I could pull out some some value uh, for myself. Stuff mm -hmm. that. I should do to 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 remain holy or in his good graces, but I, I didn't trust God with that secret stuff. There were some areas of my life that I wanted to keep to myself. And those were the very parts of me, the, the things that I kept locked down in the cellar, those things that I kept hidden from everybody were, were the things that he wanted me to let go. Mm. And then allow me an opportunity to, to let him drive, let him guide and show me you know, exactly what he wanted me to do, which was one just like now, which is now my career move. Um, I had chosen a career that was very lucrative and I made a lot of money, but now I don't work in a, a field where I make a lot of money, but I do make a difference. And that's, that means the world to me. You that's know, powerful. That for the world. That's powerful. Yeah. Making a difference opposed to making money. That's powerful, Obadiah. Thank you. Yeah. It's Jackie. Yes, ma'am. Tell me what your <clears throat> well the best have, suggestion or advice have, you received. I, I have two, but but the main one I think for me is uh you know, you hear people in the meeting say, Don't give up five minutes before the miracle. Mm. Somebody I heard somebody say, I think it was Lord Butler, he said, Don't give up five minutes before your miracle. Hmm. Don't give hmm. up five minutes before your miracle. Hmm. And uh, so I'm a miracle seeker. I see them all the time. I'm, yeah. I, it's in the seeking that you find. I see them. I'm looking for them because I'm a driver. I'm a professional driver. I see a lot of miracles in traffic. Wow. I see a lot of miracles in traffic. People should have hit something they did not. Right. Sometimes it involves me and it seems like God just moves the metal. But um. Uh, yeah, don't give up five minutes before your miracle. So I'm always, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My brother, who is not in the program, would always talk about, you know, we say this too, tie a knot in a rope and hang on to it. And he would say, tie a knot in a rope and swing to another tree. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he's younger than me and he's wiser than I am. And uh, mm -hmm. but, but, but another thing that, that really I remember Hal Kay said it. Because I could not stay clean and sober in the beginning. I came back every week, every two weeks I got paid. Every two weeks I was getting another orange chip because they were orange. And he said, you get a sponsor. He said, you have a sponsor. I ain't got no sponsor. He said, get a sponsor and work the steps. And I heard, <laughs> I heard Hal say that. You know, I, I can still hear Because that's why I couldn't stay sober. I just was coming to meet. Meeting makers make meetings. You know, that's the right. meeting makers make meetings. And I couldn't right. say clean, but um, don't give up five minutes before your miracle, which helps like me just to, just to hang on. 
I like that. I've heard that uh, tie knot, you know, and and hold on. And then I, I read, I think probably got it off Facebook with some say, and then you realize, you know, the, the knot is the hem of his garment, you know. So mm. you know, tie knots yeah. of her, tie knot in the hem of his garment and don't let go of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I want to thank all of you all for uh, your time tonight. Hey, we got six people. Um, uh, Lanisha had to get off. She had a, a prior engagement at eight, uh, at eight. So she did have to get off. Uh, but I, I thank her as well for the time, uh, uh, for this evening. This has been a great, uh, discussion. I, I hope this encourages everyone that when you are invited to do something like this, go ahead, go ahead and do it. You know, because what you all have to offer to other folks that are sitting out there and watching this or will be watching this is, is great. So um, I think for this year, she's uh, thank you, Brittany. I think for this season is uh, living out your purpose, helping others. And, you know, for those who don't know, this podcast was set up uh, to uh, encourage and celebrate people who are either looking for or living out their God given purpose. And usually my audience, I do uh, tend to uh, uh, look at audiences that are under the age, uh, that are 60 plus, 60 plusers because of the fact that um, we're not we're not through at 60. 60 does not mean the end. We still have so much to offer and God created us for a purpose. And I think that we are living in our purpose. At least the people I'm talking to right now, I believe that, you know, you all are some people who are living in that purpose. And, you know, if we had to have the inspiration for the evening, I would have to say it's Miss Amelia Murphy that after 25 years, you talking about don't quit, don't stop, keep on going. She yeah. exemplifies that. So, you know, and Anne has used Amelia. I'm sorry, I keep calling her Anne. She knows why. But Amelia has been able to use that not only for her education, but in her uh, uh, her personal life and in her professional life. Anne knows how to hang in there and, and, and hold on tight. And so you are an inspiration. You all are Obadiah, uh, Oliver Butch, Jackie. Uh, go ahead on with your Spanish speaking self. And, <laughs> and Mr. Audie, as well as Ms. Jai, I appreciate all y'all. So we appreciate show, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Y'all better go watch it. Pregnant yeah. with Purpose. It's on YouTube and you can listen to it as well on other podcast channels like Spotify. Uh, help me. Help me. Hmm? Audible. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Apple Podcast. You can listen as well. But if you want to watch it's uh, Pregnant uh, With Purpose podcast on YouTube, all right? So you all can right. get the whole season. Y'all can go back and look at the other episode that you've missed, okay? And also, this particular uh, episode will air on September the, I mean, September, October the 10th, which is Monday. So call up your friends and let them know you're going to be on Pregnant With Purpose podcast, all right? So I always have a thing that I do. You'll see it on all my podcasts. It's a you know you old win statement. Okay? Yeah. So here we go. Y'all ready for this? Uh -huh. Get ready. 
So I I uh, live in a uh, uh, um, active adult community. It's a 55 plus community. All right. So I have to go out and walk my dog. I have a 15 year old poodle wannabe. She's not, wow. you know, she was that close to becoming a real full poodle, but it didn't happen. Cool. Anyway, I have to take her out walking. So Monday I had to go into work because uh, a lot of times I work from home, but Monday I had to go in. So um, I take her out and we have like a little dog park, a little dog park that we can walk the dogs in. And as the owners, you are responsible for picking up your dog's ex excrement, you know, your dog's poop. You are responsible for picking it up, right? And they have this lovely little chute um, that, you know, when you open up the chute, you drop the poop. That does that right. Open up the chute, you drop the poop, okay? And, you know, when you open it up, you drop the poop. And then when you close it, it lets it fall down in a bigger container, right? Well... You know you owe when you go and you drop the poop. And not only do you drop the poop, you drop your car keys. I <laughs> drop the <laughs> poop. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my. So, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> so, so uh, y'all just mow that around. So tomorrow, if you're having a bad day, just think about me. Trying to get those keys out of the box, out of the pool box. All right. All righty then. Here we go. So as we do it here on um, Pregnant with Purpose, I always end with this saying, if you're not dead, God's not done. Thank all of y'all. I love y'all. Have a good evening. We love you more. Thank you. Bye-bye. We love you, Regina. Good night. Bye, everybody. So you just got done watching Pregnant With Purpose, but that's not all we have. We also have Yes to Real Estate, and we also have Class in Session. Make sure you like, subscribe, listen to all of them. If you like it, like it. If you don't, it's too bad. You watched it already, so we good.